Welcome to Every Moment His. This is a podcast where we seek to bring every aspect, every moment of our lives under the gentle authority of Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. We're glad you're here when we pray this conversation is a blessing to you. Hey everyone, and welcome back to our studies on parables. Uh, Pastor Tim with Holy Cross, and today we are studying uh, the parable of the two sons and the parable of the tenants. Uh, so this, just for a little context, which is always where you start when you study the Bible, uh, the context is this is a parable of judgment that Jesus tells against the leaders of Jerusalem after he comes in in the triumphal entry, riding on the donkey. Uh, so we could say that the the narrative arc of Jesus's ministry and life is really coming to a climax. This is the heightened tension, heightened actions uh, of Jesus to kind of almost incite uh, confrontation. And as he comes in on the donkey, he, this is a big flashing light. Uh, I am God. I am the Messiah. I am the one who is who called to be the king. And so uh, tensions are running hot. And uh, just before this, you can see on the screen that uh, Jesus has cleansed the temple, flipped all the tables, he's cursed a fig tree, and then he is challenged on his authority. Um, and he refuses to tell them by what authority he does these things because it's obvious he's doing it from God's authority. Um, and so then we have the these parables spoken. But before we get there, I want to take you down to something he says after this. All the way in chapter 23, he had these seven woes against the Pharisees and the scribes. But look with me in verse 37 of chapter 23, where Jesus laments over Jerusalem. So he cries because of Jerusalem. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so it's Jesus's heart and intent that Jerusalem would repent and that these leaders would understand his sovereign rule and uh, accept the signs of the Messiah all around them and believe in his, uh, his kingdom. Uh, but they refuse to repent. They refuse to believe in the kingdom of God that Jesus is bringing. And so they are certain to bring destruction on themselves and the judgments of God as they are the ones who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to it. But that's not what Jesus wants for Jerusalem, but it is apparently inevitably what will happen. So back to our uh, work for today. Jesus tells these parables to those who are questioning his authority. He says, what do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir but did not go. Now, which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, 
the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For God came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. So Jesus pronounces a judgment. He explains this parable. Uh, it's no use to the father if the one says he's going to do something and that doesn't do it. But it is if one who says, no, I'm not going to, uh, metanoias or changes his mind and repents and be believes. Notice, too, in this parable, um, he references John um, talking about the way of righteousness. But the issue here is belief or trust. The, the reality is that the people did not believe. They did not trust the words of John the prophet. Similarly, they're not believing the words of Jesus. They're not trusting these words and changing their minds. And this is what ultimately brings judgment upon them. Now, this would be, again, fighting words. <laughs> These people would not like to hear that that the tax collectors, which were traitors uh, and prostitutes, right, um, would be going into the kingdom of God before them. But Jesus um, is not, not holding back at this point. Um, they're not repentant, and others will be going in before them. They think they have a right to the kingdom of God, but they don't. They're forfeiting that right. Next, notice um, kind of the aggressive nature of Jesus's language here. He doesn't say, um, oh, and here's another parable. He just starts with here another parable. So it's a command. Open up your ears, guys. Listen up. Here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. And finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. So here we have this very interesting complex story um, indicting the very people that jesus is talking to and what's amazing about this is they understand the dynamics of the story and they condemn themselves with their own words with their own interpretation of the story so a few things to point out uh, the master is god right um, the vineyard is likely Israel, right? Israel is the vineyard. Uh, this master puts a fence around, digs a wine press, 
um, builds a tower. In other words, he doesn't skimp, right? He does everything right. He does it um, precisely. He invests heavily in this vineyard that he wants to produce. Uh, he gives it to some tenants, leases it to some tenants. That means they'll profit from this work too. And he goes to another country. The other country, you know, is kind of like this distance from God theme. Uh, some people have suggested it could mean um, the ascension. So this could be a a story about the church and the ascension is the distance. Really, it seems like this is the distance of the um, the quietness of God in the intertestament period, this uh, lack of prophets. Uh, but anyway, it just, it just represents distance. Um, when the season for fruit drew near, his servant, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. He, he bought it. He put it together. It's owed to him. And the tenants took his servants, beat one, killed another, stoned another. So first of all, we have to ask the question, well, who is the tenants, right? Who are these tenants? Most scholars agree um, it's the Old Testament uh, prophets. Or, I'm sorry, the, not the tenants, but the, um, the servants are the Old Testament prophets. They're the ones coming and speaking um, to the people of Israel saying, do what is right, uh, live righteously, uh, rend your hearts, right? And come before God in honesty and walk before him in, in justice and mercy. So there are the prophets calling them towards good works, calling them towards faithfulness to their God. Um, but so often the prophets were killed, right? Jeremiah was thrown into a cistern to die. Uh, they were often uh, killed and beheaded. Uh, in fact, there's um, a story in the Old Testament where uh, one, one prophet was speaking against the people of Israel who were being evil, and they killed him in the courtyard of the temple. They stoned him to death. And so this seems like it would connect well with that, that um, this one that was stoned is the one who was killed in the temple courtyards uh, viciously by God's people, by these, uh, the, especially the leaders. Um, so not cool. It can also, um, well, he goes on, let's go on with the, the parable. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did the same. So these other servants might be the Old Testament prophets again. It might be looking forward to the New Testament uh, prophets, the apostles. Jesus warns the apostles that they will be stoned as well, that they will be killed for the sake of the gospel. Um, and in fact, we see in the book of Acts chapter 5, we see Stephen, the first martyr. He is stoned to death as he tries to convert uh, these same people, the leaders of Jerusalem, so that they would know the true God. I mean, he kind of asks for it. <laughs> he says, you guys always are stiff-necked and you always resist the Holy Spirit. Uh, and they plug their ears and they kill him. Um, so it could mean those New Testament prophets to the apostles, but certainly it has to do with the Old Testament. What's interesting here, um, so first of all, well, one of the things we can say that's interesting is the behavior of the master. Uh, if you sent people um, to do a task, if you had sent your servants to do this task, 
and they were killed or they were beaten severely, would you send more? Would you send more servants? So this is the first part of the mystery of this um, parable is this master acts very strange. We can almost say foolishly that he continues to send more people into harm's way. Uh, and then look in 37. Finally, he sent his son to them saying, they will respect my son. Again, probably not, right? If uh, if they didn't respect the servants, and in fact, they went so far as to kill them, uh, why in the world would they respect his son? Why would he take such a, a foolish risk? He knows these people are scoundrels, right? So why would he send his son? And then also the next mystery here is the reaction of the tenants. It doesn't make sense. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. Now, it doesn't make a lot of sense here because um, what's to say you're going to get the inheritance if you kill the son? Uh, so they seem to be living in kind of a delusion that, um, oh, if we just get rid of this guy, the master will have no choice but to give us his inheritance, or it'll just be ours and the master will leave us alone. Um, this doesn't make sense. So they kind of are living in this, this delusion. And also the master is uh, being overly foolish, generous with his messengers, and again with his son. Um, so this is what they say. And they, they look, they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Um, of course this, we can already say, we know, you know, we know this is Jesus. Jesus is the son, right? He's the son of the master. He is the son that is killed. And, you know, Colossians says that Jesus is the heir of all creation. He is the, the heir of God. And so Jesus is putting this directly to these people who are planning to kill him. And Jesus knows they're planning to kill him. It's, it's in the air. The apostles even know that uh, they're seeking to kill him. And so he, man, he's confrontational here. And he also kind of lets fly that he knows their plans. He knows that they want to kill him. So, he says, when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to the servants? And what's amazing here is these same people appealing to a sense of justice, uh, unironically say this master will put those wretches to a miserable death and kill them, right? And give the vineyard to someone else who will do what's right with it. And so there's this um, self-indictment here. Like, it's almost like you could say no one, not even those who are being punished can argue that this is the right response to such uh, treachery, right? And this is what, you know, the, the parable means. The parable is showing this picture of these people who always abuse the people of God, always abuse, abuse the prophets, resist um, the work of the spirit resists repentance, continually rebel, 
uh, and eventually it will catch up to them. Eventually, um, the mercy and the foolishness of the master will come to an end. Um, God, we could describe as just overly generous, taking every single risk to win people back to himself. Uh, and even in great love, sending his own son to die for even his enemies and the people who would never believe in him and would even put him to death. Um, and so eventually, though, there will be justice that's done to those people who have had so many chances and have done so many wicked things with those chances. And this is what Jesus laments over, that um, Jerusalem is the one who kills the prophets. Jerusalem is the city that rejects. And of course, we know uh, Jerusalem itself was destroyed um, 70 AD um, by Titus, the em uh, the uh, not emperor yet, but the um, the general came down and, and put Jerusalem to siege and destroyed it. And um, this was prophesied by Jesus's retribution against the city as they rejected the rule and reign of the one true God. And no one could really object like that. Yeah, they had done something tremendously wicked. God had given them time after time, chance after chance to repent, and they continued to stone the messengers that were sent to save them from wrath. So pretty heavy stuff. Um, I don't know that it's, it's hard for me to imagine a more thorough tongue lashing than Jesus gives out at this point in his ministry. Uh, his, you know, it's kind of a mic drop kind of moment here where he, they have no choice but to be indicted and they indict themselves. If we go on a little further in the text, Jesus says to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Um, he is quoting a psalm here, Psalm 118. And what's interesting here is that this, this stone that the builders reject becomes, you know, uh, this, this great stone. We can even... Uh, look at that. Uh, go over to Psalm 118. Uh, in Psalm 118, uh, this is what it says. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And then he Jesus quotes the other part too. Blessed he, he is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. Um, so we have this, this psalm that Jesus um, gives to them. Let me get back to Matthew. Let's see here. What's the quickest way? This will take us there. There we go. So Jesus shows this. Um, he talks about himself as this cornerstone where everyone was against this cornerstone. Everyone was rejecting it. But ultimately, that becomes the center point of God's kingdom. Um, so he claims the identity of this cornerstone here, uh, which is saying, hey, I'm I'm the big deal, guys, not you. 
And then 43, therefore I tell you, so Jesus is very explicit with the meaning, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. So um, Jesus interprets the parable for them. After they have self-indicted, he says, hey, you guys are the wicked tenants. The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and be given to a people producing its fruits. Uh, the word here, people, is actually the same word for nation, ethnos, right? Um, it's this grouping of people or a nation. And this idea is picked up in the New Testament, in Peter in particular. First Peter says that the church is a, a chosen people, a holy nation, um, declaring the excellencies of him who brought them out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Uh, Paul calls uh, the church the Israel of God. And so this kingdom of God is taken away from this ethnic Jewish group, particularly ethnic, and given over to the church. And Paul will also explain in uh, the book of Romans that the church is the true Israel of God. The true children of Abraham are those who are children by faith. And so it's taken away from these, these people who reject this kingdom and given to those who are granted true faith. Um, the Israel of God, both Israel, Jew and Greek, uh, male and female, all in Christ Jesus, they're the ones who obtain the kingdom of God. Uh, and they are the ones who are built on the cornerstone, which is Christ. Um, and everyone who falls on that stone or rejects the cornerstone of God is, is crushed and broken to pieces. In other words, this is a zero-sum game. Either we will be with Christ or we'll be against him. Uh, there's no middle lane here at all. Either we're going to be built on Jesus or we'll be destroyed. Uh, he is the life, right? He is the future. Um, he is the one who will bring uh, the new creation with him and dispose of uh, the old with judgments that are right. And so uh, this is what he preaches to the, the leaders of Israel who will crucify him soon. Uh, so what? how does this end up? When the chief priests and the Pharisees hear this parable, they receive he's talking about us. They catch on. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because the crowds held him to be a prophet. So just like John uh, the Baptist, right? they were afraid of John because everyone thought he was a prophet. And so too with Jesus. So you can see their ultimate um, God here, the God that they worship in this instance is not the God of the scriptures that they claim to worship, but it's actually their popularity. Um, they are concerned about staying on top socially. Uh, they're concerned with that more than that con they're concerned with righteousness. And so it's this is revealed in them. So it's a uh, heavy, right? Heavy content, uh, difficult parable, um, puzzling behavior by the father uh, by the master the father uh puzzling behavior by those who think they're going to get away with this through murder and 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 theft 
and uh, ultimately judgment comes. Um, so there you go. That's the parable of the tenants. Um, what's the takeaway from this? You know, I, I think um, we would look at this and and really take away this um, enduring, over the top patience of of God the Father. You know, I was just talking with someone who is telling me that it seems like the Old Testament God is the mean God, the New Testament God is nice. Well, first of all, look at the severity of Jesus's words here and in the rest of this chapter and know that there's judgment on in both Testaments uh, against evil. But then second, know that in the Old Testament, God was so patient, so enduring. And all of these prophets that he did send to uh, bring his people back to their senses that they would stop um, their pagan sacrifices, that they would stop their idolatry, they would stop their wickedness. Uh, his patience was so long with them. No one can accuse God the Father of not being patient enough. Uh, yes, he brings strict judgment against people, but man, his character is displayed in his long-suffering with this rebellious people that he saved from Egypt and called for no other reason than that he chose them. And so that's one thing that shines in this parable is this uh, almost bizarre amount of patience that this master has. That's the, the patience of the father. He wants all to be saved and he sends messenger after messenger in the hope that people will repent. Um, the other piece that we would say is that eventually that that patience comes to an end. Um, there will be a day when the the wicked are separated from the righteous, when the wicked are thrown into everlasting fire. Uh, they are ushered away from God in his presence, and uh, they will end up with a miserable death. Um, that evil will come to an end. God's patience will not endure forever with evil. And so if we are not willing to free ourselves from evil by repentance and cling to the, the blood of Christ, the cross, and hold on to him, uh, we will be destroyed along with that evil. And so the the um, the encouragement to the people that Jesus was speaking to and to everyone today is uh, truly repent of evil. If God calls something evil, you repent of it. You, I mean, we are not God in this world. We are not the master. Listen to the messengers of God. Listen to the apostles. Listen to the prophets. Turn your heart today. Just because God is patient today doesn't mean that he always will be. And just because he, it seems like people get away with whatever they want in this life doesn't mean that always will be the case. Uh, the New Testament tells us that we should uh, cling to what is good and abhor evil, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And so I think it's a call for true repentance in our hearts. Like, don't be foolish. You're, you will not receive the inheritance if you kill the son. Uh, rather, um, know that God is the true master and that we should repent and turn to him. Uh, we should try to purge from our hearts anything that offends him and give it over to the Lord Jesus Christ. So those are some things that we um, see in this parable. I'd love to know what you saw in the parable. What what thoughts does it connect in your mind? How does it convict you? And how does it call you uh, to a different way of thinking and living? And uh, I'm glad you came along for the ride. And we'll see you again next time 
Uh, next, we look at the parable of the wedding feast, another good parable of Jesus. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope it was useful for you. If you found this particular useful, you can share this episode with friends or family. You can also subscribe to our podcast and whatever platform you're using or give us a review that really helps other people find our podcast. This is also a teaching ministry of Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska. And so if you do not have a church, we would love to welcome you into our community to build you up and to share the joy of salvation with you and the rest of the members here at Holy Cross.